It's the fact that stay home is very, very clear yeah. because yeah. it's literally two words that tell you what to do. Stay, stay alert. What does stay alert mean? Yeah, it's strange. It's like look both ways before you cross the street in case the old COVID gets you. Some somebody said on Twitter, it's like we're not defending a corner here, Boris. Yeah, remember to turn your oven off before you go on a holiday, just in case the COVID gets you. Not playing Warzone here, sniping people in a upstairs bedroom. But th- like that was the whole point. Make it an obscure command. Like, stay alert. So then when nobody actually successfully stays alert and the virus kicks off again, they get to blame us for for not acting responsibly enough, even though they very clearly told us to stay alert. Starting emails with, good morning, I trust you're alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- How would you rate your alertness this day? Well, I mean, I've only just had my first coffee and it's gone half past five, so <laughs> not just- very... Yeah. I was told by my mum today I look very tired. So Oh dear. Yeah. It's getting to you. It's, it's, it really is. It's, to be fair, it's a combination of my routine is well established now, but it's, it's it involves staying up too late and getting up n- later than usual. Oh, that's not good. Which I'll blame on whiskey and uh, PlayStation 4. Th- those two things do make staying up late far more likely, and it does wreck all our alertness. So like to, for everybody for everybody's sake... We should stop staying up late so then we can be more alert the next day and halt this coronavirus. And we and, and that is ultimately the goal. If we are all alert, then coronavirus, see you bye. Yeah. It's gone. It's telling. Two things are telling. The first thing it's telling is that whenever you, we ask or whenever anyone's asked the government to specify what stay alert means, they're like, stay alert by staying at home as much as possible. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, so stay at home then. And then the other thing it's telling is that it's not just our bias against the government because their own party members aren't understanding them. Oh, yeah. And their own cabinet didn't get the message. And, and the devolved governments didn't get it, which we'll, we'll get onto. Again, we've, we're jumping the gun here. This is an alertness check, everybody. <laughs> check your alertness right now. Absolutely. If you've got a Fitbit, perhaps it has an alert setting. You know You know what? I reckon Fitbits probably can track your alertness. Maybe like being on high alert has a higher heart rate. So check that your heart rate is always really high. That's what we're looking out to have these days. Did you ever have mood rings? There was a, a, a fad in the early 2000s that you and your dearly beloved would have mood rings and it would change colour depending on how you felt. Ah, I, I never did that. I, I've always thought that they just changed colour according to the temperature of your, of your well, fingers. Well, see, this is the thing. It's, it was a Reliant K song. Good old Reliant K. Great, great American band. And, super uh, good, super good feels they had. And they had a song called Mood Rings, and it was, you know, if it's green, she's really jealous, and if it's red, then she's mad with you. Ah, yeah, that, not, that's a good song. Not quite, not quite those exact lyrics, but th- those that was the the sentiment that was being conveyed. Yeah. And I would listen to that song as a teenager and think, I need to get one of these. I can They're like so handy. Figure out humankind just by <laughs> looking at the color of the people's rings. So you know, like a mood, a mood ring for alertness. Well, my point is, perhaps those mood rings did have an alertness setting. Maybe it was orange. When your mood ring's orange, you're very well, alert. Based off the government's like color scheme that is now green and yellow instead of red and yellow, I think yep. green means alert. Well, no, no. So, so first of all, their chart was looking an awful lot like the Nando's heatometer. You know when you go into Nando's and you ask how yeah, spicy you want your chicken? Yeah. It was very, very similar. Their, their strange multi-level lockdown plan chart that still managed to not be specific. I, I think we're at the lemon and lime stage. Is that No, that's not the, That's not a chicken flavor. Whatever the no, lime one lemon is. Lemon and lime. Everyone's favorite chicken flavor. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's got lime in it. The, 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 the most delicious chickens come with the <laughs> most amounts of different citrus. <laughs> It's a, honest, I, I know this is going from pinging from tangent to tangent, but the worst Sunday dinner I think I ever had as a kid was one Sunday when my mum decided to experiment and make lemon chicken. And <gasps> I, it was just really, it was really awful. I'm sorry. I can't even really imagine what lemon chicken tastes like. Is that a real oh, it was, thing? It was bad. Is, is it supposed to be all right? Do there recipes for that? I know orange chicken is a thing. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think if you did it right, I'm sure it'd be great, but... Because it was a one and done, I, she has never made lemon chicken again. So that shows you how well that went. Give it a go. Someone out there who's good at cooking, give that one a go. Let us know how, how it actually turns out. I, I think it was around the time in which my parents were still making us finish everything that was on the plate. Because oh wow, yeah. it was it was maybe even the same year yeah, it, when we were in the Isle of Lewis visiting you guys. And before we were uh, heading out to play our 
weekly game of summer football, we had chicken burgers, but inside the chicken burger was one of those like plastic cheese slices. Ah, American cheese. It was absolutely disgusting. Delicious. One of the few things. Now, I eat a lot and a lot of different things, but that is one of the few things I just honestly could not stomach. I thought I was going to throw up. Do you remember, speaking of things that are not able to be eaten without throwing up, do you remember green tomato ketchup? Very vaguely. Do you remember purple tomato ketchup? I do not. I don't remember the purple. I remember the green. That sounds disgusting, I was, though. I was just remembering them recently and how off-putting they are as colours for a for a food <laughs> sauce that is tomato. Purple, Even though lots, yeah. lots of tomatoes are green, some are yellow, some are purple. I don't know where they pulled that from, but you know, I was just I was remembering that, and I don't think I could eat it. But I remember being super excited as a kid. Do you, talking of things we remember, do you remember when Seesaw Parade used to have a coherent? beginning middle and end because i certainly don't and um, then we plan like to put some jingles in there to, to make a coherent beginning middle and end and now we don't have it anymore the trick was not to care yeah well welcome everybody to the show it's he's operate episode 205 i'm colin and he is james yeah yeah i'm the green ketchup of the of the seesaw parade <laughs> Yeah, and I'm the purple condiment that nobody really likes, but has it anyway because it's all over everything. And uh, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. Thank you for getting in touch uh, for prompting discussion over the last few days. Uh, Murray Wilson, for one, he actually messaged to say uh, that he and his other half, Katarina, who is my best friend, were also doing the Marvel Watch Along. Oh, wow. But I think as opposed to what I'm doing or what I was going to do, which was to watch them in release order, they're doing it in order of... A chronological order. They're doing it in terms... Yeah, yeah, like the... Okay, so Captain America was in 1940, so we're going to watch that. And then Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel is in 1990, so we're going to watch that yeah. next and then so on and so forth. Well, you see that the struggle here is like a film that has like a time skip in the middle. Let's say Ant-Man. Or it does it. I can't even remember. There's a, there's films of time skips in the middle. Where do you put them in the order if they overlap a different film? Well, do you watch up until the time skip and then watch the ones that are within the time skip and then carry on with the other film again? Well, for example, if you remember Captain America, which I'm going to get to today uh, later in the show because I watched it this week. Yeah. It has, at the very end, the, the coda of the entire film is modern day, even though the rest of it is 1940. So yeah, yeah, yeah. technically, I should have paused it with three minutes to go, watch the next... 12 films and then gone back to it or if when they've got when they when they jump cut to like a different period in time like at the end of an iron man film and stuff like that you gotta you gotta line up your end credit scenes as well to get the true chronological experience right i'm sure somebody online has done that and if any of the films are happening at the same time you need multiple screens going on <laughs> and two remotes so you can pause and play accordingly uh, murray murray said that uh, watching them chronologically is enjoyable but it does mean that some of the later jokes don't land as hard and the jeopardy is lost which i i understand because you're seeing characters who although the film may have been released five years later you're watching it as one of the first films and so you realize oh well everybody's fine then and nothing happened nothing bad happened to them in any of their films i mean yeah i mean that's just a general rule for marvel films it's just nothing bad happens <laughs> It was, it was actually uh, Scott Sutherland, my next door neighbour up north, who, who had done something very similar. I believe he watched all the Marvel films, but he messaged me halfway through to say, I've had to take a break because every film feels like I've just watched the same film again. It does. It does. This is why I'm never going to do this. Yeah. The thing is, I do really enjoy Marvel, but their films have a formula and they follow that formula and they yeah. do very well. And I like them a lot, but they all are very samey. Hence why I'm spreading mine over 23 weeks. Yeah, basically, you have to you have to watch a lot of other stuff in the in the middle. But I just can't be bothered. There's lots of big series like that that have lost my attention. Marvel, I've I've fallen out of fandom with just because they are so samey. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much to everybody who's got in touch with Seesaw Parade. There are a multitude of ways you can do that. Twitter, email, Facebook, Snapchat. Speak to us in person or shout at us from a two meter distance away. Speaking of which, let's start with what's been happening in the world of coronavirus in the world. Yes, that's where the coronavirus is. The ONS say that deaths from coronavirus in the UK have now surpassed 
40,000. This is taking into consideration people who have died in hospital with COVID-19, as well as in care homes, as well as deaths, which it's suspected that COVID-19 was the cause. Mm -hmm. This means that the UK is now far and away the worst hit country in Europe. And as we mentioned at the start of the show, England have now decided that lockdown has yes. to change. Now that we're the worst, it's the time to ease it off a wee bit. Yeah, and last week, last Sunday, Boris addressed the nation with some changes to be made to lockdown. And we're going to start there and then discuss how England have gone with stay alert, whereas other countries, the other three in the UK, are still sticking with stay at home. So first of all, Boris last week talked about the fact that if you were able to go to work yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could use public transport then mm-hmm. you should do so. Five hours into Monday, further advice was put out saying, oh, by the way, if you're using public transport, please avoid uh, doing so if you can, but if you are, then wear a face mask, which yeah. is the advice that's been in place in Scotland for the last three weeks. Now, we talked about this in the show previously. In England, they said, oh, face masks, oh, we don't, oh, you don't really need to worry about that so much, whereas Nicola Sturgeon said, yep, yeah, if you're out and about, then you probably should. James, this has been a perfect example of something that the clearly the inner yeah. circle of Westminster or number 10 decided this was the plan, but didn't tell anybody else what was going on. What's your overarching view of what's been happening in the last few days? Well, I was just surprised by how many people were left out of that inner circle because it seemed like almost everybody except Boris yeah. had no idea what to say about different things, even the day or the day after the announcement. Even Boris was confused, but that's just to be expected. He can't talk. <laughs> Hancock had no idea what to say. Rab had no idea what to say. I mean, Patel never has any idea what to say. Like, I don't know who is in this inner circle that's making decisions because the, my cabinet had no idea that they were going to change the slogan to this one. The ne- leaders of the other nations of the UK had no idea they were going to change their change their slogan. And like are having to scramble to come up with ways to make people listen to them instead of Westminster. Yeah. So it, it's just really weirdly communicated and a strange time to make the call. I reckon they've been getting increased pressure from some rich pals to get yeah. the economy back on the go because the money's going away. It is. But, you know, it's just risking making the money go away faster by having a, a lot more COVID cases and having to lock down in full again because right. yes London was at the, the tail end of the curve and could maybe talk about opening up again but that doesn't even even if you exclude Scotland Wales and Northern Ireland there's there's re- regions in England that are still that still have big R numbers and still have, have more cases yeah, the compared to the population the northeast of England is still struggling with a very high R rate of yeah. infection but, and, but they've been given the same rules as London, which just seems real dumb. Right. So the, the Prime Minister, who was himself, I'll remind you, dear listener, hospitalised with this virus, said yeah, yeah, yeah. that people who, could, who couldn't who could work from home should return to their usual places of work. But he didn't say who these people were. He didn't say what jobs no. they were or when they should return, if that was Monday or Wednesday, or, or what bosses should do to ensure the workplaces were safe, or what the boss's powers had if so-and-so, if Jimmy down the road said to his boss, actually, I don't feel very safe right now, I'm going to stay home. Yeah, we've been given, like, guidance as to how to open up offices and how to open up schools and how to open up this and that. Uh, The guidance is pretty hard to meet without lots of funding and without lots of effort, and businesses tend to not do the effort and public-owned stuff tends to not have the funding. Yeah. So it's a very strange thing to be told just to go back into work and not be told, like, hey, here's the jobs that really need to go back in now. Um, they tried to say construction, but that just seems real dodgy to me because, like, I don't I don't really see construction businesses taking care of their employees all too much, you know, sh- having shifts for lunch and having um, time time um, timetables that don't line up exactly on the just, minute. Just on that note, there was, as you mentioned, this lack of clarity, which started with Boris Johnson and there was a ripple effect among his inner circle. To the extent that Dominic Rabb contradicted himself three times in the space of an hour during appearances on three different morning talk shows. He told Sky News that the government scientists were looking at if there could be limited contact between family members. And then he told the BBC that a person could see both of their parents as as long as it was outdoors and as long as it was 10 minutes between 
seeing each individual just, parent. Yeah. Which, yeah, no, like... of all people, sorry, of all people, Philip Schofield said, can you not see this is utterly bonkers that I can have my cleaner, I can hire a cleaner to come in, but I can't see my mum and dad at the same time. And I believe it was actually Matt Hancock at that point said, uh, well, yeah. Yep, that's that's the rules. Them's the rules, kid. Yeah, we just had to make up the rules as we went along and we're hoping that no one's going to catch us we're having bad rules. So let me ask then, do you believe there is any sort of overarching plan here or is it just a case of we're going to try something and we're going to see if it works oh. and the whole stay alert slogan is just a part of that? There is a semblance of a plan. So the the this part where they've got like the f- several different stages of lockdown according to several different stages of the nation... That makes a lot of sense. We talked about that, how we're going to need to have this be staggered. But then they weren't specific enough in what those um, what those stages are, how we, how we handle them. Because if they were specific, we wouldn't have newspapers and stuff saying lockdown's over. And we wouldn't have people going out in the streets and saying lockdown's over. Yeah. And we definitely wouldn't be seeing that in Scotland because the rules aren't different here. We, we are still under the same rules as we were a week ago. We're in, we're in lockdown. Um, but people are, seem to think that they can just choose to listen to the prime minister and, and believe that they are English or something. I don't know. Yeah. So there was this, there was semblance of a plan. I reckon it was just a lack of expanding the party. Maybe if they had talked to the other um, nations and maybe if they talked to cabinet and maybe if they talked to parliament, uh, they would have been able to see their holes in the plan before releasing them to the public. But they didn't do that. They chose to just push out the plans they had pretty quickly without really checking them. Um, And they've been trying to cover up the holes since. Um, And now they're trying to figure out how schools are going to reopen in England, even though those plans are pretty uh, unfit for the staffing levels that schools have available. There's all sorts of holes in it. So it's just, I think it's just the standard of incompetence that we're, we should really expect from a government and a cabinet that was chosen not from actually being good at their job, but chosen because they were loyal to Brexit. Okay. Uh, Just taking this issue north of the border to Scotland, as you say, James, the advice in Scotland is still the same. I believe the only thing that's changed is that you can now exercise as much as you want for those of you out there who want to run four times a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The main headline from this week has been one which has landed Nicola Sturgeon in some hot water. This is the news that a conference in Edinburgh at the end of February, a Nike conference where 25 people on the 26th and 27th of February reportedly contracted COVID-19 was kept quiet. Nobody was told about this. It's only been released in the last few days. Yeah. In the days after that, despite knowing that this had happened, Scotland played France in the Six Nations at Edinburgh, as well mm-hmm. as a whole host of high-profile football matches. I even ran in the, the Mighty Deerstalker with 500 other people Two weeks after this Nike outbreak had happened. Right. What responsibility does the government or did the government have to tell people this had happened? Because this, to me, seems like a serious error. To be clear, the the public was not told about this. Yeah, so the public wasn't told. um, And I don't really know what kind of efforts they put into, like, figuring out if the virus kept spreading from there or not. It's just another failure of the laziness of the UK in general until it was too late. So Scotland was a big part of that initial laziness. Even though we did things sooner than the rest of the UK in some cases, we were still far too slow to react. And I think we've mentioned that before, that we shouldn't forget how slow Scotland was in ramping up its response to the potential outbreak. Um, There's been a lot of people saying that after this, Scotland should have gone into lockdown right away and rah, 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 but we didn't have the power to do that. That's a completely different discussion. I don't know how much of this is a cover-up and how much of it is just there is too much going on to try and to try and like catch up to things that we missed a month ago, two months ago. But there definitely across the UK there were many failings in public health and and public safety because we yeah. in all the nations kept seeing large gatherings go on even after we'd supposedly confirmed that they were causing spread of the virus. So to to me, what's telling is that this happened, this outbreak, where twenty five people were infected. It was from one guy. Uh, there were people from 70 countries had flown into Edinburgh for this conference. 25 people got infected, eight of whom were from Scotland. The others went back to their respective countries and spread the virus. What happened in Scotland was that on March 16th, 
March 16th, which was over two and a half weeks after this conference, that's when the, okay, gatherings of 500 people or more banned came in. March 23rd, which is almost four weeks later after this outbreak in Edinburgh, four weeks later was when lockdown came in. Now, you compare that to what happened in New Zealand. And ML a few weeks ago got in touch to say, can we talk about the fact that the leaders, the female leaders in some countries around the world have been dealing with this better than the likes of the UK and Italy and France and the US. You look at, for example, at Taiwan, at Germany, who despite its massive size have done a relatively good job, but in particular... Well, yeah, and, and initial failure have done a better job of recovering. In particular, New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, who locked down New Zealand when the country's cases were at 107 and at that point said, nope, that's it, we're done, lockdown's in. Yeah. Just just this past week, that's when they've started reopening uh, barber shops and playgrounds and cafes, all still very, um, you know, socially distant. However, their death tally or the death toll is maybe 98. I think it's 98 people. Yeah, super low. So that's, to me, that to me is is the benchmark of here's what we should have been doing. Yeah. This is the fact that, Despite knowing about this in Edinburgh, nothing was done. Nobody was told. Yeah. Well, and no actions were taken. And even if we couldn't do a lockdown or even if we couldn't do this or that, we still do have uh, devolved powers over loads of health stuff. Um, So more could have been done. And that's not something we can forget, is that every single nation in the UK failed, even if some failed harder than others. Right. And questions need to be asked of all the leaders in the UK. And it can't just be a case of finger pointing, which is what we're seeing of everyone in Scotland going, well, at least you're not as bad as England. And everyone in England going, well, at least you're not as bad as America. And then everybody in America going, it was China's fault. Yep. We have to be putting blame um, appropriately where it lies and we can't let this get brushed onto a a few little uh, scapegoats. Let's take a, a broader look at what else has been happening in regards to coronavirus around the world, starting with the warning from the World Health Organization, the WHO, who said this week that the coronavirus may never go away. Yeah. Uh, this was speaking at a briefing on Wednesday. The emergencies director, Dr. Mike Ryan, uh, warned against trying to predict when the virus would be eradicated, mm-hmm. comparing it to the likes of measles or HIV, saying that even if a vaccine is found, controlling the virus requires a massive effort. Yes. And he's, he's quite right about that. We'll, we'll get on to this. Almost 300,000 people have died across the world from coronavirus. I suspect that will hit the 300k figure over the weekend. And more than 4 million cases have been recorded. The UN, on a similar note, have warned that the pandemic is causing widespread distress and mental ill health, particularly in countries where there's a lack of investment in mental health care. James, on that first note about coronavirus never actually being eradicated compared to the likes of uh, SARS or MERS 10-15 years ago, that to me seems like a realistic possibility that this may just be something that we learn to live with. Yeah, uh, hopefully if it is that, it's something that we learn how to take uh, actions and steps to actually controlling better than we have been. So we talked about it, things like adopting a culture of wearing face masks in public and crowds and transport and things like that. Because if it doesn't go away, it's something that spreads pretty quick. And that's one of the reasons that we are able to eradicate other things is because they weren't so infectious and or maybe they were more deadly so they were easier to uh, contain but in this instance it's something that's slow that's a slow burner super infectious and um, so if it shows that it's going to start like evolving and therefore um, vaccines aren't going to be 100% effective or if it shows signs that we just can't vaccinate enough people to keep up with the general uh, spread of it and the general evolution that it faces, it might be like the flu where it comes in once a year and sweeps through a nation. But all these things are, are it's even though it might never go away, it's still super important and super significant to reach a point where you have an effective vaccine against stage one of the virus. We do that, 
we get people vaccinated, we reduce the number of people infected. Okay. And then year and year we have that vaccine to build up because this that will be similar to the flu. If you're if you're vulnerable to the flu, you're getting a new vaccine every six months, right? We haven't eradicated the flu. We've just learned how to manage it a bit better. But still, yeah. Even if we mismanage the flu for a season, it can um, spread. We've seen it spread. We've seen a flu epidemics in Spain. We've seen one in the US, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even just the flu can take a huge number of lives if mismanaged for a season. So it could just be another big one that we deal with, but hopefully people actually bother trying to deal with it rather than what we've done the first time. Before we go over to the States, various countries across the world are beginning to lift or ease their lockdown restrictions. The warning is that opening too quickly or, or lifting restrictions too quickly could result in a bigger second wave and a longer lockdown. Yeah. The, the WHO have said that there is this idea that lifting lockdown means that everything goes back to normal. But of course, that is a, a nice idea. It's a nice dream. Yeah. But the reality is much more difficult. Slovenia today on Friday said that that was the end. They were declaring an end to the pandemic in their country. Uh, Germany have begun uh, getting back to some sort of normality, but have had the worst economic quarter since 2008. Yes. And the whole of the economy of Europe is predicted to have the worst economic performance since the financial crash. James, is there this, we're seeing this in Britain, this valuing of the economy is needs to get back on its feet and you know people need to get back to work yeah. as opposed to hold on a second people are still dying in their hundreds particular particularly in britain every single day where is that balance because some countries are certainly getting it right i would say that britain we're still getting it wrong no it, it seems far too early in britain to be talking about opening up in any sort of dramatic fashion again we've still got quite a lot of infected people quite a lot of recently infected people, quite a lot of active cases, um, and for something that spreads so easily and where people are just generally so dumb that they'll go and infect 100 people each, yeah. it's just too soon. And we've had our workplace safety and our workplace rights kind of reduced quietly over the years. Uh, you can look at you can look at it, um, for example, for teachers, where they've seen the max size of classrooms slowly get increased and increased and increased until they're managing sometimes 30 to 35 kids per, per classroom. That's just because workplace safety has been less important and workplace um, uh, restrictions have been lifted. Um, and I'm sure that is reflected across the world, where, or across the nation, where there's just less protections for the workers because that means things are more efficient for the business and that means more profit, which means more money for the economy. Um, so there is this priority on economic health rather than uh, the health of the population. Um, where I'm pretty sure that aside from when they vote, because people vote with their I'm going to be rich one day heart. If we just focused on getting happiness up, people really wouldn't mind having a little bit less money if they ended up generally healthier and happier. But sadly, that's really hard to convince people to actually believe in until until you've done it. Do you think, uh, here's a looking into your crystal balls question, do you think oh. this pandemic will at all change how people feel politically? <sighs> I want it to. I want people to realise that... Yeah. Even just on the economics level, relying on an economic um, method that is dependent on constant growth is not good <laughs> because we cannot guarantee constant growth. And if losing that constant growth for a season or half a year makes the next decade really difficult like it did at the last crash, it's just not worth it. Hopefully people realize that it's just not worth subscribing to this and they want to change things. But I really doubt, I really doubt there's going to be much change. It's hard to believe um, that a nation such as ours is capable of change. Okay. Just based off the fact that they've been so consistent in their voting forever. Well, talking about a country and a person who cares more about the economy than actual people. Donald Trump has been in the headlines, as he always is, on Seesaw Parade. Uh, This week, I mean, we could have picked a a litany of things, but I'm going to start with this one. He's criticised 
his own top infectious diseases expert yeah. about lifting pandemic restrictions. So Trump accused Dr. Anthony Fauci of wanting to play all sides of the equation uh, when he gave uh, his testimony to the lawmakers this week. Uh, the president said he was especially dissatisfied with uh, Dr. Fauci's caution <laughs> about reopening schools too quickly. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Just we to, must get the schools open because then the parents can be part of the economy again. Yeah, just to put these into perspective, uh, this this headline into perspective, COVID-19 has infected one and a half million people in the States and killed yeah. 84,000 people. I'm sure that will hit 100k before long. Yeah. Uh, so the president has essentially, yeah, he's accused this, he's thrown him under the bus, essentially. No, he's tried to, yeah. Yeah, he's he said essentially that what Dr. Fauci had uh, testified about was unacceptable and uh, he, he disagreed. At the same time, Trump is urging states across the country to to get their economies open and to, to start lifting restrictions. Yeah. Despite the fact that the states which had the most lax restrictions and have started lifting them are already seeing a rise in infections, whereas other states which were hit harder, for example, New York, is finally seeing infection rates go down and deaths go down. So it's still very much in in flux across the whole of the US. James, this is just another... (laughs) Here's the big sweeping story. You could write books about every single day or every single week of the Trump presidency. There was so much that he said this week that it's hard to choose where to start. But let's just go with the the broad brush approach, first of all. The big question I'm surprised people in the US don't seem to be able to ask themselves, or I suppose just a certain voter base in the US is, do you want to believe the guy who is widely respected around the world in his specific area of expertise that is this? Or do you want to believe the guy who has lied somewhere in the tens of thousands of times in the last For, four years on the record. Well, well, well to me, it's, it's very clear. We've talked on the show before about the partisan lines, which we see in the States more so than we do here. Yeah. In that, you know, for example, I was watching a report on CNN of a, a guy, I believe it was Thomas Vassey, who was doing a report in North Carolina or a similar state where he was covering the protest and... Everywhere he went, you know, he filmed, he was doing a Facebook Live for two minutes. Every person he was filming was berating him and shouting at him and swearing at him, being like, you are fake news, fake news, you are the virus, you are the virus. Yeah, Literally, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, turning yeah. his camera and every single person had something yeah. to say to him or was, you know, giving them the middle finger or there was like, there was no, kids it's, it's there. A proper, and, it's a proper death cult at this point. They've, they've, it is just absolutely mental, you know, even to the extent that the, this reporter is filming one guy and he's telling him, stay, you know, stay six feet away. And he's like, dude, I'm fine. I've got hydrochloroquine. Yeah, no, easy peasy. All good Even though then. that was the drug that the FDA have said, this drug yeah. may actually be worse than yeah. any sort of treatment or cure that Trump talked about. Yeah. It's It blows my mind yeah. that these people exist. And then seeing that video, that very same video, being shared by people who are Trump diehards and people saying, oh, this is great watching. This is fantastic. I'm watching it thinking, that's awful. Yeah. How on earth can anyone watch that sort of video and say, you know what, yes, I'm enjoying this. I'm yeah. enjoying the fact that all these people who are, again, most of them without face masks, just berating somebody who is doing their job because they have a different a different political view. It just yeah. absolutely boggles my mind. But that's what we're seeing with Trump's entire leadership is that the most successful or the easiest way to have a successful and strong, in quotes, leadership, even if you're someone who runs away from reporters and is a coward in general, is to make your nation hate their own people so much that they will vote for you to do damage to your own people. So I hate, let's, yep. they hate uh, the other half of America. So when damage is being done to the other half of America, they'll keep going for it no matter what happens. When like yep. That's just self-destruction as well. But it's a death cult. They've bought into this um, so hard that they would actually be willing to just have their entire families wiped out just to just to have one over on the other half of their population. And I'm not trying to say that it's more healthy to like hate people in other countries. Let's not do that either. Let's just try to base our politics on not hating people and see where we get. Yep. But this is this is what happens. We end up getting someone who is is the expert of experts on a subject getting told that they are 
a disappointment because they weren't 100% loyal to Trump. Uh, and if you're not 100% loyal to yeah. Trump, you're out. We've seen that again this week because um, Burr is out. Burr is out. I can't remember. One of, his, one of his top men is out. The guy who was heading up the intelligence for the Russian yeah, report he, and stuff. So Richard Burr, who was accused of insider trading, he and his wife, yeah. I, I believe, essentially chucked in $1.7 million worth of shares in February. The dude is Just corrupt. before coronavirus hit. This guy's the head of the, the intelligence agency for the Senate, yeah. Yeah, the dude is corrupt. He did insider trading. He should be kicked out. But if he was 100% loyal to Trump up until this point, he wouldn't have been. He would have got away with it. But because he didn't manage to make the Russia report come out in favor of Trump, that's a failure. He's out. So people are realizing this, that unless you do 100% what Trump wants, you're risking your job. So it just ends up with this bunch of loyal little fanboys who won't stand up to do anything right. Uh, and we're, we're getting to the point where Trump's hiring people with zero experience to do work. You know, kind of sounds similar to, to Boris, but like 10 times worse. What, what's stronger in America right now is this idea that Trump and his focus on protecting livelihoods and being accused of gambling with people's lives is all to do with his re-election bid for November. And with that on the horizon, he's got to be seen to be either yeah. doing something yeah. or pointing the finger, at the finger, as you say, to, to China or to the Wuhan lab or to Obamagate, yeah, yeah. as we've been seeing him tweet about a lot no, this week. So he'll be pointing the finger... One of the things I think where a lot of us are forgetting and it's making us panic is that a big difference between Clinton and Biden is that people genuinely hated Clinton, whereas people don't really hate Biden. Yeah. And that's people across the spectrum genuinely detested Clinton, so therefore they voted Trump. So we might not see that same thing happen. It's a shame. It's Biden. I don't want a Biden either. I don't want someone who has... Uh, his beliefs and his moral um, past and his, well, his current mental abilities to be leading. Yeah, but and his alleged behavior. It's not quite as scary as someone facing Clinton who is generally detested. Uh, so we can't forget that. But like coronavirus in the US, we've got no idea where it's going to go. They're trying to use it to shut down the vote because if they can make people not able to vote because lockdowns and because of fear of public spaces, then it's easier for the Republicans to win. So they're trying to make it so you can't have mail-in voting in different places. Um, so it's just another huge big tool that they can use to manipulate people. And we're, we are still on the path of getting this like really strange American regime that might never come to an end if it's not um, yep. properly put to a halt pretty soon. There is, uh, just as you're talking about that, particularly with the way that if lockdowns or or coronavirus returns later this year in a, a, another wave, that the vote is then the subject, very similarly to, to 2016, that this vote is then investigated for oh, yeah. or whatever forms of corruption that may yeah. come around as people are struggling to vote or unable to vote. That, you know, again, it's pure speculation at this point, but that's what's coming to mind. No, yeah, no, if Trump loses the vote, he might start a war over it. I, I genuinely don't know what he'll try. Yeah. But, and it is scary because we're seeing big names in America come out trying to support Trump's methods just because they like their personal freedoms and they like their businesses. So Elon is still going down this line of, let me reopen my factories without meeting your safety standards. Because... Everyone in California got given, or all the businesses got given a list of here's the things you have to have in place before you reopen. And some of them are kind of hard to do. So Elon just skipped that and decided to reopen anyway, putting his workers at risk. And now he's complaining about that and freedom and all that, trying to move his factories out of California. So that's a big name. He's probably going to, well, we're risking people like him backing, a, backing someone like Trump and we're seeing big names like Joe Rogan coming out and complaining about the, the lockdown and taking away his freedoms. And it's a bunch of rich people that have a lot of influence that are completely out of touch with real life that can actually have a, have a change in the way people view um, politics. And they're all coming out against this state that cares about your health and for this state that cares about your, and I'm putting it in quotes again, freedom. Um, so it's just scary seeing everything that's going on in America, like politically and um, in terms of how they're handling the virus.
Let's go to some other news across the world before we talk about what we've been watching this week. And of course, if you have been watching or reading or doing anything interesting, yeah, you yeah. can, of course, send us a review and we will play that on the show. Have you had a family um, Zoom meeting call? <laughs> Did, how did that go? Was there any how drama? How did you rate that? Was it a 10 out of 10? Was it more of a 3? Okay, right. Well, let's uh, handbrake turn into some serious news before we go into anything uh, later. This is the story of Anne Sekoulis, who we've covered in the past. It was the uh, the wife of the US diplomat who is wanted in Britain over a fatal car crash. Now, this happened last year. Essentially, what happened was Anne Sekoulis had caused the death, or allegedly caused the death, of a 19-year-old uh, motorcyclist. She was driving on the wrong side of the roads. All evidence pointed towards her being said person because the car belonged to her and she then fled the country. Yeah, yeah that's the only evidence you need, really. Did they run away to try and get away yeah. with it? Yes. She did a runner. The UK then requested her extradition, as you would, because you've killed somebody. Yeah, we a bit slowly, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it, t- it did take them a long time to actually get to that point, as opposed to yeah, maybe yeah. the day after. Yeah. So several months later, they requested her extradition, and Mike Pompeo and the US said, nope, no chance. This sets, and I'll quote here, an extraordinarily troubling precedent. Sure it does. Absolutely. Of, Definitely. Of what? People facing justice. Yeah, because it's not like she actually didn't have immunity as soon as she was over the border or anything. Yeah. So the news this week is that Interpol have reportedly issued a red notice for a a warrant for her arrest and for her extradition to the UK. Now, whether the US... I mean, I I do not expect any sort of change. Whether whether the US does... (laughs) Whether the US respects what Interpol say or do... No. I know that... Well, the thing is, I know know the answer to that question already, but James, this to me is another... It's it's perhaps virtue signaling at this point. It's perhaps just, okay, this is the right thing to do, so let's do it. As opposed to, yes, this is what's gonna this is what's gonna turn the tables. This is what's gonna get Ansicullus back to the UK. Well, yeah. In in part. But we also have to consider that this is one stage of of giving like a tiny level of justice. Because now that this arrest warrant, so to speak, is out, there's no more travel for her. Yeah. Every time she steps into an airport, um, she risks just leaving in cuffs and getting ex- getting um, investigated, extradited, all the rest. She like as much as a whole country is pretty big in America, as a whole country is pretty big, and there she can kind of stay anywhere in there. There are a lot of countries that respect global organizations and global agreements more than the U.S. So if she was to try and travel to any of those, she might get got. I'd say the best the best thing that could happen is she is dumb enough to do that and she's dumb enough to travel and she's dumb enough to actually get caught because justice needs to come. Yeah. And the family needs justice. So therefore, I, I hope that she's dumb enough to get caught because then they'll get justice. There's a, a lot of moral questions are raised here, which to me all have very easy answers. The, the, <laughs> but it, again, it's very easy for us to say. The family of Harry Dunn, who was the, the boy who was killed, have long criticised the UK government for, as you say, James, being so slow to act on anything. Yeah. Despite the fact that this was clearly this woman's fault, driving on the wrong side of the road, who killed the 19-year-old. Yeah. And they just kind of put their hands in their pockets and said, well, you know, she, yeah. she, yeah, she, we don't she, want to cause too much trouble. Come on now. Immunity. Let's not upset Americans. You know, stiff, stiff up our lip and all that. Come on, just, just smile yeah, and carry just, on. Yeah, just let the past be. So... To me, first of all, yeah, you've got to ask questions of the UK government's uh, slow response, but at least they mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least they put in the extradition request and they were told no. The next question, I guess, is for Anne Sekoulis herself, mm-hmm. because and now it is very very easy for me to say this, and it's you know God forbid this ever happens to me, but if I killed somebody in a car crash and then fled the country knowing full well it was my fault, like what is my argument? What what is my argument? I was saying well. I didn't mean to, or, well, it was an accident, so therefore I'm just going to carry on with my life and everything will be fine. Yeah. You know, what, what is her position? Because like, you, really you, can't literally be someone's life has ended. Yeah, no, leaving makes it worse. Leaving makes you far more judged, for sure. Oh, yeah. An accident becomes an accident that you ran away from, just literally. And that's embarrassingly worse. That's shamefully worse. Um, that shows that you are, like, beyond just 
like clumsy and beyond just yep. rash, you're also a coward. It's it's callous. It's calculate. It's the fact yeah, that yeah, self importance to be like my freedom matters more than. Uh, justice away i go exactly my freedom and, and getting to live my life is more important than this family who have lost their son because of my actions yeah when that- let's be honest right because of the way things are and because it was an accident if she didn't run and if she didn't put all this difficulty into the situation it wouldn't have been a super big punishment it it's, wouldn't have been super harsh was the next thing i was going to say was that because because it was essentially a, a road accident it was you know it's, yeah. it's manslaughter it's culpable homicide as opposed to 25 years 30 years doing life in prison she was also as you say the wife of a us intelligence official so she would get some sort of diplomatic leniency but because she's legged it all of that's gone. It's out the window. And, and rightfully yeah, so. She liked it. And, and you do, yeah, you do want her to be arrested for this. Yeah, far more than, like, uh, like if she, if, if, so let's say she gets, she gets got now. If she still gets treated like, it, oh, it was just, it was just an accident, a couple of years, you know, I'd be like, no, that's not okay. Yep. She ran away. Like, I wouldn't expect the same level of punishment. I wouldn't expect the same level of repayment to society um, if you've run away from it rather than faced up to what you've done. Okay, let's move on to something slightly more lighthearted. Avatar 2, the (laughs) long gestating sequel to the film that I guess nobody really asked for these sequels, but they're happening. A set photo was posted to Twitter this week showing some of the main cast uh, rigged up in full motion capture bodysuits yeah. in a mm-hmm. 900 million liter gallon pool a big a big pool a giant pool which has been built specifically for this film i'm trying to figure out so, why but you know that's cool too it's because apparently james cameron is, is setting avatar 2 or large parts of it underwater mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as Oops. i mean as you would of course you would yeah we definitely needed that in particular <laughs> I, I do, I do want, I, like, this does give me one good feel, and that was that the water in Avatar the film looked real good. Uh, yeah, and that was also, what, 13 years ago? Yeah, so, like, I'm sure the water's going to look great in the next one. Uh, but of all things, after this much time, just to get release a, this, like, strange cast picture of them in a pool covered in, like, some weird kind of balls. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, like, the balls that you see on people that are in mocap suits. It's the, just a bunch of balls in was, a pool. Yeah, I, th- I thought, first of all, they were in a ball pit. I thought it was a ball pit, and then yep. I thought it was like a bunch of ice cubes. I couldn't. I presume. I couldn't decide. My, my feeling is that they're balls that go on the surface of the water, so that if they're shooting up the way from you know from underneath, that they avo- avoid any sort of light flaring from above the surface. But ah, that's just my like some re- refractive yeah, surfaces that's just my thought. to obfuscate the actual. Yeah, I mean, it could also be tracking to get like waves tracked in as well as. It's like so for surface for surface recordings, the balls could be tracking the water movement. L- linked linked to this, and bear in mind that James Cameron has talked about four sequels to the original Avatar. So that's that's an Avatar two, sure three, we four, told, and five. I'm pretty sure we originally were told they were going to come out in like 2014 or something. Like I, that. Well, I, th- I think the first one was meant to be released at this point. If we go back to our, for sure to, to like now, original yeah. Cease Operate episode two, I'm sure we mentioned about Avatar being out in 2020. Anyway. The reported <laughs> delayed twenty twenty. The reported budget for these sequels is a billion dollars, and that's not just for all four. That's like per movie. Yeah, and how do they recoup that? Because the only reason Avatar did well is because of the gimmick. I don't know. The gimmick made everyone go to see it. Well, the, the reason Avatar did well was it was the gimmick, but it was also the fact that, and I stand by this, Avatar is a good film. It's it is not the best. It is not it's engaging. It's in, exactly it's engaging, and certainly for its time. The way it was, you know, the the mocap and uh, well, the three Dness, the three Dfiedness. Well, of it course, that was the that first too. actually good three D thing, you know, and, and, it, and everything worked. And it was, as you say, it was an engaging film. It's got some good performances in there. I do think that the lead actor Sam Wor- Worthington, Sam Worthington, is Wh- a, a very mediocre actor to be in that well, role. However, he's a cardboard. He's just a cardboard. He's not He's not actually like a cardboard box or a cardboard <laughs> tube. Those have too much form. He's just a cardboard. <laughs> yeah, however, as I say, I stand by the fact that the movie, a part of the reason the movie did well is because it's very watchable. So... Yeah, no, it's super, super simple watchable. That being said, it's hardly good, fellas. So who is clamoring for four sequels to this movie, which by the time they come out, 
the people who enjoyed it when they were teenagers are going to be in their mid thirties. It's very yeah. I, I I really do not have any sort of hope that they're going to make their money back. It's it's really hard to imagine a world in which everyone goes to see Avatar again. It's, especially your films have got a billion dollar budget. You're just never getting that back. I don't see where the money's going. It's very confusing. And I know we've had a lot of time to think about this because the news about the film has been released one headline every two years. <laughs> and that gives us enough time to mull it over. But it still is very confusing. It's basically the blue version of New Mutants. Just every few months we talk about it. <laughs> But by the way, New Mutants has been given a new, new, new release date in the US. It's meant oh, to be coming wow. out in August. Good stuff. Just what, maybe two years after it was meant to come it's out? It's going to be released on like Disney+. Plus. And it's just, it's going to be terrible. I know it's going to be terrible. I hope that it's a gem. I hope it gets an Oscar. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, James has come to this time. What have been, what we have been watching. <laughs> what have, what have been watching. What have me? been watching this past week. Uh, I have the solitary Marvel film entry number two in my series. Uh, what have you been watching? Start with you. Oh, uh, okay. I kind of talked about it a wee bit last week. I watched The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Now, have you yes. finished A Mandalorian? I have finished the entire Mandalorian series. Amanda. Yes. That joke has been made at least once by somebody else. I wasn't sure um, if you'd heard it first. I had to repeat it. Okay, what do, what do you think? If you if you finish the series, what do you think? Finish the series. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Like I'm not gonna say it blew me out the water. Uh, some of the writing was engaging. Some of the writing was super lazy. Um, it was very low budget compared to what it looked. It really stretched its budget well. Okay. The costume designs, the set designs, and I found out it's because it was filmed inside of a giant TV, basically. What? So there was just this like circle of real real lifeness and around that real life were actual screens interesting that had the set on them so they could film like massive location shots in in indoors that's that's uh, clever so that was that was cool to learn and and i didn't really notice it i i couldn't spot that happening in the show so like well done to them they so convinced my brain so it's like the old-fashioned way of you know if someone's on stage during a a, a play performance yeah, yeah and yeah. behind them is just this like hand-painted giant castle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was basically the old hand-painted film trick wow where the, you'd paint the scenery then like put the film in the corner um <laughs> and, and it really it really did work so they sold me on a lot of the sets that were that apparently weren't real <laughs> i'm i'm still not convinced <laughs> um but yeah no it it, it it was very it was very clearly written episodically but the the bad way wherein early in the episode they, they'd introduce the gimmick or the problem that would need to be solved and then by the end of the episode it would be either used or solved right there was no kind well there was very little in terms of overarching devices or things that were picked up at the start and finished at the end um characters weren't particularly interesting mandalorian himself super good super well acted does it does he take his helmet off uh, i don't want to spoil the show okay right sorry just just on this mandalorians note, because... <laughs> apparently in the in the in in the uh, live action never take their helmets off that's part ah. of their culture but in the clone wars and in rebels the animated series they've always got their helmets off so, so i got no idea who's who's overseeing these two projects because okay. they are not lining up on this part of the lore one easy question for you should i watch it or should we the listeners watch it i i think it's one of the better star wars productions okay. since the whole reboot thing kicked off it's it's not particularly high quality writing but it's definitely good tv also also it's a western it's a star wars western it's exactly what i want nice an established an established universe in a different genre sounds good mix your genres people it makes things interesting okay let me tell you about captain america the first avenger which is the second in the uh the weird order that i'm watching these marvel films this to me has all, all the hallmarks of what any uh marvel film introducing a new character has which is clumsy character introductions um a very good cast lots of montages lots of backstory yeah. and very little else now i i yep, understand yep, yep. that for some characters for example iron man i talked iron man i talked about last week you've got that blank slate and robert Downey jr fills that with an actual believable character whereas yeah. With this, for example, Hayley Atwell's character of Peggy Carter is introduced to the film, 
by uh-huh. arriving at this boot camp and within 20 seconds of her character speaking words she's punched a man in the face yeah and it's it's that sort of really clumsy way of saying oh this woman's tough Look, she's just punched a big American in the face and he's got a bloody nose. Yeah. And every single character in the film has that same, like, brute force introduction. Oh, here comes Sebastian Stan's Bucky. Oh, look, he's great pals with Captain America because he's given him a big hug and he's insulted him and he's also told him he loves him at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're all, like, a big super cliche introduction. Oh, look, Steve Rogers is really brave because he jumped on a fake grenade. It's... It's the kind of stuff which I think at the time, again, I said this last week, when this film came out, I'm sure I thought it was okay. But now watching it with, what, a decade on, I'm seeing some of this and thinking, this is just so cliched over the top. Like You don't need that to happen. You don't need Steve Rogers to jump on a grenade to show everybody that he's brave or that he cares about everybody else. Yeah. So there are some parts of it which work. For example, Hugo Weaving is very sinister as the Red Skull. I thought he was very good. (laughs) Yeah, because I can see why he never wants to do a superhero film ever again as well. Toby Jones is is great. I totally forgot he was in this as uh, Armin Zola, who is the conflicted Nazi scientist, he is he's great. Toby Jones is awesome. And yeah, the, like the whole cast, even Tommy Lee Jones, who, again, is one of these actors who just plays himself uh-huh. in every film he's in. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones doing his over the, the kind of the grumpy sergeant who nobody really likes. He's, he's basically playing his character for Men in Black. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So that aside, it is, it's fine. It's definitely one of the weaker <laughs> it's a, entries, it's a but fine it's fine. Film. It is a fine film. It is just there... It just kind of exists. Yeah. Did nothing for me, but yeah. we move yeah. on. They spent... Here's one of my thoughts on it. They spent too much time trying to give character to a bunch of characters that do not matter in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Like So they could have focused more on giving Captain America an actual plotline and some development, but instead they rushed all that in the first bit. Um, and then they introduced us to all of his team and all of these other characters and they spent ages trying to give them motivations and stuff when we all know that right at the end of the film it's not going to matter anymore we know from the get-go that at the end of the film it's not going to matter anymore the, the other thing this film has and i know it's because they're attempting to convey the passage of time is montages there are so many montages in this oh, film yeah yeah the marvel montages i forgot about them whether that's like captain america you know at the start when he's just like a performing monkey or when he's he's finally into his his good guy role and he's blowing up places and he's he's hitting people with his shield but he doesn't kill them he just knocks them out yeah don't kill anyone all of that stuff it's just you know there's no focus on okay they're going to do this one really difficult thing it's really important that they do it it's just like oh here's 10 seconds of this oh here's 5 seconds of this oh here's yeah. 10 seconds of this and it's it's so haphazard yeah the other the other entries in the captain america subseries uh, treated us so well that we forget how bland the first one was. Totally agree. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the next two in that the Captain America saga because I know how good they are. Yeah, well, compared to the standard of Marvel. Exactly. Right, James, you have seen one other, other thing before we wrap up. I, I have finished an anime. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another do, do, sorry, brief one. Do, every time you say that, I try and get my emotions even higher than the previous week. It's all right. We'll, we'll, he, we'll hit the peak eventually. Okay. This one is called 91 Days. Because it takes place over the Is course of lockdown? 91 days, which, to be fair, could be about a lockdown. Okay. Um, no, it's a, it's, it's, a mob, it's a mob revenge. It's a, it's a someone wants revenge in the mafia story. So it's like, it's been and done. Everybody's had their go at this, but this is it in an anime. And it's a bit rushed. It's, it's only 13, 12. It's only 12 episodes long and a flashback episode. I actually found the flashback episode should have been split up in amongst the other episodes because it made some things actually more meaningful and impactful, but it was just a token episode at the end. Uh, Anywho's, I'll not, I'll not get into it. Characterization is about what you'd expect from a mafia thing. The mafia are, are doing bad stuff, but you kind of like some of them. Uh, <laughs> The guy who wants revenge on them is doing bad stuff, but he wants revenge, so it's okay. Um, okay, you know, it's all just a bunch of bad people doing doing bad things and shooting each other with Tommy guns. It's nothing. It's nothing you haven't seen before. Uh, <laughs> so overall, really selling it. I know, I know. This one, this one is just a, a decent TV show. I'm not trying to give okay, this okay. one a ten and tell you all to watch it tomorrow. Um, overall, 
it should have been slower because a lot of the big story moments that would have been big if I'd had more time to care about the characters just didn't land because I didn't have enough time to care about the characters. Right. Um, there was a lot of big moments, but they, they weren't earned. And that was my big that was my big disappointment. Okay. They do they do bravely handle the end of the revenge storyline. They do a good job with that. They do justify a little twist or two in the standard revenge story. Um, but it's nothing it's nothing remarkable. Uh, what I, if you if you are an anime fan, watch it. If you're not an anime fan, you probably won't like it. Okay, well, on that note, James, we will bring this show to an end. If you would like to get in touch with Seesaw Parade, anything to say on any of the points we've raised, or if you've got a review for us, please do record something and send it on. You could do that on Twitter, at Seesaw Parade, on Snapchat, at Seesaw Parade, Facebook, at Seesaw Parade, or, or if you just know us, just message us and we'll talk about you. Absolutely, or if, if I remember to. I'm pretty sure some people message me and then I just completely dingy them on the show. <laughs> okay. Right, James, thank you very much. I'll chat to you same time next week. Absolutely. Cheerio, everybody.